0: listeners um, welcome to episode 23 of wear many hats today we are joined by a very interesting individual from the british international investment we have sam pickford here with us today who is the head of procurement at the british international investment hi sam how are you doing i'm good thanks you have a good day
1: Yeah, it was busy, but okay.
0: Busy, yeah. yeah. We're your 11th meeting, I understand. I
1: think so, yeah. I think I started at nine. It's been pretty much full on since.
0: Full on. Well, that's it working in the public sector, isn't it? Well, the public slash private.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it, I think it's the middle. It's the way the w- world's going at the moment. It's like working week is being compressed into the middle.
0: Yeah, let's squeeze as much out as we yeah. can. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, understand that completely. Understand it completely. Well, listen, thank you very much for joining us on the show. Um, should we get straight into the questions? Yeah, sure. Okay. So, look, Sam, you've had a very interesting and varied career um, in procurement. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey um, in procurement and how you've got to where you are now?
1: Yeah, so... I think as most people do with procurement, they kind of fall into it at some random point. Yeah. Um, It's one of those things that very few people set out to kind of go, I'm going to be a buyer or a procurement person. Yeah. Um, I was working at West Sussex um, in an accounts payable role. Right. um, And a job came up in procurement. One of my Mm -hmm. friends was doing procurement. Right. um, And so I asked him what he did. It paid Mm -hmm. more than the job I was in, so I went for it. Right. Um, And and that was really it. It was was kind of – it was a – opportunity at the right time when I was looking and I was very lucky to know someone who's doing it when I didn't know what it was really so right. it wasn't it wasn't a particularly rational choice at the start but it kind of it was kind of it was there let's mm. give it a go um where I was at West Sussex County Council and with any county council you get fairly varied lot of things you know it's everything from facilities yeah um, to social care to looking after aspects of the pension fund,
0: you become a, a jack of all trades. Really. Yeah,
1: yeah. And West Sussex was going through a period of transformation at the time. I was immediately outsourced uh, into capita. Oh right, when okay. I was there, and I, I knew that taking the role. Yeah. Um But it, you know, it, it was at a period of transformation, and in periods of transformation, it's a very good opportunity to learn a lot. And you know, there were a lot of changes within the team, so. I was really thrown in at the deep end f- from day one. Kind of given a seven million pound contract day one. Kind of here's here's our process manual. We want to see if the process manual works. Here's right. a seven million pound contract. Go and run a procurement. Not that I'd ever you know. I'd only just learned what procurement meant at the time. Yeah, no so.
0: no 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 stress no stress yeah. at all.
1: And and it, and then it's kind of this seems to be going well. Here's a large social care procurement. Go and do social yeah. care now. Right. Um. And, and that was really it. I, I was very lucky in so much that I got a very diverse portfolio very quickly. Right. Um, and my peers happened to be leaving as as I was joining, so I was I, out of necessity. I was given a lot more than perhaps most people are given in kind of a fairly junior role. Right. Um, but it meant I learned quickly, um, and you're working with a very diverse range of stakeholders in the local authority. Weirdly, I would say as well within a local authority, it's um, it's probably the most commercial place I've ever worked in, which is not what you would expect when you're talking to That's sector. quite
0: an interesting statement, Sam. Yeah.
1: Uh, but the, the the reason is that you're forced to do, you know, a public sector's perpetually cut. You know, yeah. Whoever's in charge, they're always having to make some level of saving. Yeah. Um. So you have to be commercial to kind of – you have to get a lot out of what very little money you have. Of course. So especially within kind of social care um, – a lot of emphasis is going how you manage your costs, how suppliers are managing their costs. Right. Every single penny is accounted for and has to be spent appropriately. Yeah. So you you find yourselves kind of having to be very creative with the imagination, have to build good, solid relationships with your suppliers because you're asking them to do way more than, than is of commercial benefit to them.
0: Right, okay. Um, yeah.
1: For the money that you have available. So, it, yeah, it, it was a good place to learn. Right. Um, and from there, I kind of moved – after a few years, going into capital then back into the council, right, uh, into a different wing of the procurement team, into the strategic side of it. Right. I learned a lot very quickly in those few years, and then C-
0: certainly sounds like it. Certainly sounds like you. You know, the variation has been very good for you.
1: Yeah, and and so I moved into consultancy not long after. Right. Um, again, focused very much around local authorities. So worked for kind of various borough councils. Um. In London boroughs, Bedford, um, did some Northern Irish councils again. Just small uh, scale, kind of very much kind of doing what I was already doing, but you know for a consultancy firm. Yeah. Didn't particularly like the sales side of consultancy. Right. Um, but kind of like the freedom. Yeah. So I, I only did that for a few months and decided I'd do I'd be a consultant but for myself. Um, going so I went into more of an interim space and. Right. From there, I moved into rail, so working for Transport for London. Yeah, did that for a few years.
0: Yeah, I see that. I see that you won a few awards. While yeah, you
1: were with we, Transport for London, a lot of what we were doing. there so, so, when I was brought in, it was essentially they were running a procurement, but it, it kind of got to a standstill, and it was being run by a team who didn't really do procurement. They did; they were good commercial people, but they did cost management and contract management. Yeah, um, and had been tasked with doing a large uh, procurement around a program. So so my job really was to kind of unstick this procurement and kind of get it moving again. Yeah. Um, So a lot of what we did there was kind of re as much as we were doing the procurement activity, which is the bulk of why I was there, it it was working with the team to kind of refocus them a bit, build up their kind of procurement skill set, and make it more kind of aligned with the program we were delivering. Right. Um, And I was very fortunate there to work with – because my manager at the time was very much a sponsor of their graduate scheme. So we had some really good, very fresh people coming in off the commercial graduate scheme. Mm. And unlike other areas of the business at the time, we were giving them real substantive work because we didn't really have a procurement team. Yeah. So it, it was but using them, very keen people, and kind of shaping the procurement function around them and kind of their keenness. Um, the broader program was fantastic in terms of its diversity as well. For an engineering team, it was very young, very diverse, which traditionally engineering teams within the UK aren't, yeah. um, whereas the, the head of engineering within our program had very much a focus on kind of getting the best people wherever their background wherever they're from, yeah. and, and kind of really challenging ca- kind of the hegemony around kind of what an engineer should be. Yeah. So, so we had a very young dynamic team within that program. Yeah. And the awards we were nominated for and went for were, were very much around collaboration and kind of innovative thinking yeah. um and we they were quite challenging supply chains as well so we solved some very creative issues but it, what we were really good at is working with each of the different departments and kind of building that real collaborative cohesive function yeah so by the end of it the projects were very much it's procurement run by the project team not just us doing our yeah. transactional aspect right um and, and i think that's and drag my mind back six, seven years to when it yeah. was. But I, th- I think that was the crux of what we went for with those awards, and it was very reflective of kind of the environment we had at the time.
0: Yeah, because I mean, to be fair, Sam, you had us geeking out when you came in because we had our our pre-podcast <laughs> chat, um and Sam mentioned that he'd come here on the Central Line, and as probably most people do, mm. you know, we asked why is the Central Line so hot, um, and I'm sure our listeners would love to know why. So. Fire away because yeah. we found it really interesting. Tell us why.
1: Yeah, I and mean, again, this this is me trying to half remember something from <laughs> yes, seven years that's ago. Fine. But but I, I believe it's down to it, it's the clay it's built through. So right. the, the clay uh, acts as a, a heat sink. It used to uh, absorb the heat. And Central Line, if you looked at it in the nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties, was advertised as the coolest place to be in London on the hot summer day. Yeah. So it's kind of come and escape the summer heat. Go take a ride right on the Central Line. Yeah. Obviously, it's not like that today. And the reason it is so hot is, is over that time, the electrical load from the trains going through the clay at that depth has built up, and kind of the heat, the heat has got nowhere to go. The, yeah. The clay is absorbed at all, so any electrical load you're putting through it, it's just going nowhere. Yeah. Um, you can't really put aircon on the trains because that's adding to the electrical load. Yeah. Um, so. It's only going to get hotter if you put air aircon in. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And you can't, because of where the central line is, to buy the land and to build kind of big vents and kind of to kind of vent the tunnels that way is just prohibitive from a cost perspective. Yeah. So, so all you can really do is mitigate um, the future electrical load going through and hope that trains and technology become more efficient. And over time, you you won't make it worse. Yeah. I think it's unlikely. I don't think you can actually make it cooler, but I think you can stop the rate at which the heat's increasing. Wow,
0: that's so interesting. So basically, all those people like me that moan about the heat, stop it. There's nothing they can do, basically. Yeah,
1: well, I think yeah. part of the hope is that you know things like the Elizabeth line will help mitigate because you know it does yeah. cover some of the same ground. Yeah, I think there's a YouTube Tube for London program. I'm, I'm long past knowing where it is, but right. at some point, I think they will have a more efficient train, which – in theory, should make it cooler.
0: But right, okay. Who knows? Who knows? We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Well, that's really interesting. Thanks for sharing that, Sam. Mm. Okay, so sort of moving back to your career. So obviously, you were at Transport for London for a period of time. Um, how did you transition into the role that you have now at the um, British International Investment?
1: Yeah, so i have been working in and around investment companies with... So I had a pension fund before I went to BII. Yeah. Um, and I'd bought around investment in my local authority days. I'd been involved in contenders for investment management and pension funds. So I knew investment a little bit. Um, I know public procurement very well. So that that's the common theme through my career. Yeah. Um, but I also have um, a master's degree in development studies, international development. Right. So I'd wanted for a while to kind of link up what my career was with what i intended it to be when i was at university and and an opportunity came along with what was then called cdc group right um to essentially do a bit of consultancy at the start they didn't have a procurement team they're a growing business um they whilst they are publicly owned they have an independent board and operate with private characteristics yeah so it's it's building a procurement team within that kind of Public private space, which works from kind of responsibility from you know spending taxpayers' money, uh, but also allows it to be commercial within the environments they work in, which is the border nature of the business. So,
0: so quite a hybrid, op- like quite quite a hybrid operation in terms of in terms of how it works.
1: Yeah, and, and it was also building a procurement team in an, a business which hadn't had one before. Yep. So did it, you enjoy
0: that out of interest?
1: Yeah, it it was I think it was interesting at the time because I joined in February twenty. Mm. So just as COVID was hitting, so I had three weeks in the office. Wow. Um, and then found myself in a new company, uh, but working remotely and everyone has been kind of shifted off site very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was challenging building relationships you need to build and kind of you, you've got to sell procurement before you do it. Yeah, you completely know, so, it's finding ways of doing that in an environment which is entirely remote and kind of no end in sight. Yeah. When you're doing it, you're also um, doing it at a point where the business has a lot of competing priorities as well, because right. obviously getting everybody off site for COVID is a huge thing, making sure the business is functioning. Yeah. So, from a CFO, CRO perspective at that time, that's their focus. They don't care. Whereas, you know, three weeks ago, you had their full attention. Yeah. Suddenly that's gone. So, you've got to kind of you know, you've got to build it yourself. You can't kind of rely on kind of senior stakeholders to sponsor you because they've got other focuses. Right. Um, And and the investment side of the business is working with uh, its investees and the companies and the geographies we support to make sure they're transitioning and dealing with the challenges of COVID as well. Yeah. Um, And also in any investment company, kind of uh, the macroeconomic state is a big impact and drive on kind of what the business is doing. Yeah. So they're not particularly focused on something which is, you know, enabling and kind of didn't exist three months ago. They were doing their job perfectly fine Yeah, and presented with a huge challenge. So that that was the first bit. It was kind of getting the buy-in within the business in a time where there's a lot of flux. Yeah. And, and as important as we think we are, we're not the most important thing to any of those stakeholders at that no, time. No, um, So it was interesting I enjoyed it. Like the firm are great. It's a very – people always have a, a kind of an odd conception about investment. You know, they view it as kind of very cutthroat, you know, bad behaviors in terms of the way people treat each other, yeah. very competitive environment. And
0: They've got that banking yeah. thing in their mind, haven't they, I suppose. Uh,
1: and especially yeah. when you're coming from a public sector background, you kind of – you worry that that you don't – because it's not your environment. It's not mm. the natural home for a public sector space. So yeah, you yeah. wonder how that's going to work. And actually, it was a very welcoming firm. Right. People are very much there for the broader mission of the firm, which is development. You know, it's working in the geographies, adding kind of, you know, sustainable, productive growth within the countries we work in. Yeah. And they're there for all the right reasons. They've often come from an investment background and had to make, you know, a professional sacrifice Financially to kind of c- come into this public sphere because right. but they're doing so because they want to and yeah. because they want to drive the outcomes we're trying to achieve um so it makes for a really pleasant environment for an investment firm right okay so it, and it you know it has very good characteristics it's a very collaborative business yeah um so it's it's not without its frustrations but if if you're credible and you've got a plan and a strategy. It's fairly easy to live within because people trust you and can get yeah. buy in. So the barriers were far more esoteric than what you'd expect them to be.
0: Right. Okay. So, so basically, it's, it's individuals rather rather than chasing cash or chasing career advancement. You know, the makeup of the business is individuals that that, that really want to push that forward. Help people yeah. in those other geographies and look at bringing those other elements on. Because well, how many countries do you work in?
1: I think, well, our investment profile is Pan-Africa, right. all of South Asia, moving into Southeast Asia, uh, and, and elements around the Caribbean. And also uh, we're doing something in Ukraine, um, which was announced recently too. Right. So um, we're quite broad. But in terms of operational countries, I think we have offices or representatives within 10 countries now. Wow. Uh, and that's across Africa and um, South Asia.
0: Right, okay. And uh, do, you, do you deal with all of those countries? And um,
1: Yeah, f- from well, well, twofold, really. So we, we support a lot of the operational buying, so kind of setup of offices, yeah. any contracts which go alongside those offices. We've sourced some of the offices ourselves as well. Yeah. Um, so there's those aspects, but also with the investment teams working in those geographies, we're supporting in their buying of due diligence around those investments as well. Right. And um, some of the broader programs. So, so you, our function is very much kind of twofold it's kind of supporting operational, but also supporting the investments buying as well. Right. And okay. we, we're a small team, but kind of as much as we have categories, it's kind of investment and impact one side, operations, and a bit of the, other, the rest of impact on the other.
0: Yeah, so the values of the business are very important. Yeah. and adhered to and ensure that they're, done, they're doing the right thing for the right reasons. Effectively. Yeah, effectively, oh, that's really interesting. Are you enjoying
1: it? Yeah, yeah. it's. Um, I enjoy the diversity of it. Um right. e- Even though, kind of say, we're, we're centred in ten countries. Yep. Our company has a real breadth to it. You know, we're six hundred-ish people, and I'd probably say, you know we're getting close to probably a hundred different nationalities within the business. Wow. And that's fantastic. Cause you get to learn from so many different experiences. Yeah. Um, a real breadth of professional experience as well. Like there's a lot of people who have come from finance mm. um, or investment, but also people who are kind of the experts at whatever they're investing in in said country or a lot from the impact space. So a lot of work for charities before or right. consultancies who work around kind of impact and development, so it, it's a quite a broad range. And on the operational side, that too is quite diverse as well. You have a people who come from kind of a breadth of backgrounds. There's some who come from public backgrounds, like myself. Yeah, um, I've got people in my team from a law firm, another from Transport for London, actually, right. um, and okay. another who's come from an art buying history. So it's that's quite quite var- quite quite varied then, really, in terms of background. Yeah, and I, I think what attracts people to the firm is not so much the buying. Like, hmm. from a procurement perspective, like our spend isn't massive. You yeah, know? we're very much a people-driven business. You know? Yeah, our people are our main resource, and yeah, of course. Um, so there's there's not too much from a spend perspective. So you know we're not doing big strategic contracts. You know, a lot of our buying is quite small-scale consultancy. Yeah, um, and even the operational contracts are re- relatively small from kind of a procurement
2: view yeah
1: but it, it's interesting because of the geographies you work in yeah it's interesting the individuals you get to work with mm. and and that that's really kind of what attracts people on our side um so you get people who you know who find the company fascinating um and the mission fascinating and and that's what draws them in rather than kind of yeah you know, they're not going to advance their procurement. I hope they are advancing their procurement career, but that's not their main focus
0: in joining us. Well, I imagine they'd pick up a lot of skills there that they may not pick up elsewhere, you know, because, you know, working with, you know, within such a multicultural society, you know, we can all learn something Mm. from each other, can't we? So, I mean, I imagine that they come out with a set of skills that they didn't realize that they could get.
1: Yeah, I I think the biggest thing you get from working with an procurement team is, it's negotiating in different countries, uh, and it's it, it's the type of things you get in textbooks and things. It's kind of you know be receptive to kind of cultural norms and kind of yep. understand the landscape and the people you're working with, and and we get to do a lot of that. And it, it's you know neg- I've been f- involved in lease negotiations in Nigeria, and India, um, and, and in Egypt, and they're all completely different. I bet that's really hard, you know,
0: because you're probably used to dealing with it one way, and then suddenly you've got to do it yeah, but I, I, differently. I,
1: I think it's what's enjoyable enjoyable about it is the challenge of it, and it, yeah, it, it, it's getting to learn your stakeholders, getting to learn what is motivating, doing your market research, understanding the economic climate within a country is yeah. super critical in our procurement activity. You know, Egypt and Nigeria have challenging economies, and right. where you know. Me dealing with a lease in West Sussex, you kind of – the macroeconomic is kind of absorbed. Yes. Me me dealing with it in in, in Cairo or Nigeria, I have to do my research. I have to understand what is driving the market. Um, You understand what motivates the market. The research and the market engagement is more important than ever. Right. Um, And you've got to be prepared to kind of learn as you go and kind of uh, listen to people who know better, find people who have done it before go out and make those connections and kind yeah. of find out what the drivers are. Um, understanding like local geography and things can, is a huge thing because a lot of the work we started with was very remote because of right. COVID. But you still need to understand what are the motivating factors around kind of transport and such. You can't just kind of take what the agents are giving you. Yeah. You've got to speak to local people, understand that, well, actually they're going they say they're going to build a tube station over here, but they're not, you know, or... Yeah. There's a bus route which runs around here, which a lot of our staff get, or you know those type of things which are important, or the safety factors, kind of, because you can't get that from Google. You've got to make connections with people, um, and you've got to spend the time having those conversations and kind of iterating and building your view based on those conversations.
0: Yeah. So does does your role, by by its nature, also involve quite a bit of travel into these countries? Or? Not
1: massive. Right. Um, we, we try and target it, like, when it's absolutely necessary. Yeah. Um, we're becoming a lot more conscious around sustainability with travel as well. So, of course, yeah. Um, you know, there's necessity in certain areas, but not always. So with, with the first office I did, we did it entirely remote yeah. because of COVID. You know, it was for... It wasn't ideal, but, you know, we were still able to build a functional office, you know, halfway around the world. That's quite impressive. That is quite impressive, given the... Well, you learn ways of of kind of doing it. you rely a lot more on your local stakeholders and kind of asking people in the business who don't normally take up roles um, around kind of the procurement facility side to kind of do a bit of be be your eyes and ears on the ground Mm. and, and kind of... Um, bring them more into the conversation rather than delivering something for them that they're more right. involved in the actual delivery. okay um, You find tricks like getting your CCTV installed so you can get better view uh, <laughs> of the construction as it's going, those type yeah. of things. Yeah yeah. yeah. Um, and, and you know you're, you're finding good local supply partners who you can trust right you know you've got to be really hot on your evaluation of your suppliers in those spaces because you are a lot more reliant on them. Yeah so you know it's building up the credibility of your supply chain yeah. making sure they can do what they say they're going to do and, and you know you, you can't fix it after the fact you've got to get your procurement absolutely right yeah because you're stuck with them once you've got them so and 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 you're a lot more trusted to involve them
0: right okay so, that's yeah. that's fascinating actually like a really fascinating yeah. glimpse into you know yourself and also what your business does on a daily basis.
1: Yeah, and, and I have been able to kind of, more recently, uh, I've been able to go to Mumbai and to Lagos um, as, as part of the job. I'm, you know, very fortunate to do so.
0: How do you find the humidity in Mumbai?
1: Mumbai was all right because there's a lot of... Like, Mumbai really surprised me because I've been to India a few times. Yeah. And, and everyone says, oh, Mumbai is kind of a super busy city. It's yeah. exhausting. And I found it such... A relaxing place, relatively speaking. Really, it's a really modern city now. Right. Um, the business district I- is really growing, um, mm. and, and the infrastructure in Mumbai is really good now. It, it's still evolving, and there is a lot of work. It still takes an hour to get from south to north. Yeah. Um, but, but the ability to do business there uh, has really changed, I think, recently. And it, it's a very, you know, it, it's an, it's an emerging market, you know. it, it's, yeah. it But it, it feels very modern. Um, in a way you wouldn't necessarily expect. Yeah. Um, and and you know it, it's very it, there's there's more thought around kind of the modern elements. Right. So it, it, it's less organic than it perhaps once was. Right. Um. But yeah, no, I, I really liked it, and it's. I find it very easy, like compared to kind of people, how hard people can present it. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, well, we all have different experiences, you know. I mean, I could go somewhere and experience something. You could be there at the same time. I could have a terrible time mm. and you could have the best time in the world. You know, that, that's just the way of the world, I think. Yeah. Um, but that, that, that's really interesting. Thank you for being, um, you know, so, so for, you know, for, for giving us that insight. Mm. It's really, really interesting. So what advice would you give to a young professional that was looking to start a career in procurement?
1: I I think the key thing for me is you've got to view it as a fairly undefined role these days. And I I think still, you know, I've been on kind of panels at SIPs and kind of there's no consistent view of what a procurement person does still. You know, it's still very varied and it varies massively between companies. Yeah. So, uh, But you've got to see that as a positive, and you've got to kind of go in with a very open mind, I think, and a willingness to view it as a job which isn't transactional. I think if you view it through a transactional lens, you end up with one very specific side of, side of a career. Yeah. If, if you want diversity, and if you want it to be interesting, and if you want it to stay sustain you as a career, you, you've got to kind of challenge yourself through it, and you've got to use what procurement gives you, which is an insight into a breadth of a business rather than just a silo within a business.
0: Very interesting statement, yeah.
1: And 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 take it as an opportunity to learn and develop within it. Yeah, I think there is, you know, it's picking up those commercial skills. It's learning what makes a good supplier, what doesn't, but also yeah. reflecting that on your own business is helpful as well because it will help you manage some of your own frustrations. You'll have at times in terms of what you can and can't do. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's yeah, it, it, it's casting away your net as broad as possible in terms of stakeholders yeah, and listening and learning. That's what accelerated my career because, like, I, I started my procurement career late 20s. Right. M- most of my early 20s were kind of just trying random things, going yeah. back to university, traveling a bit here and there. Trying to
0: figure out what you wanted to do.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and I was very listless and aimless. And right. When I fell into procurement, you know, it could have been as much as, you know, when I did pensions administration or when I did um, early childhood services or, you know, the various things that I tried in my 20s. Um, But what turned it into a career was it was the first place I felt unconstrained relatively. Right. Um, It's the first place I felt that you were getting a lot of responsibility probably that you shouldn't get at times. Right. Um, yeah. But it, it, it gave a lot more opportunity than kind of other kind of more structured places I've been in like finance and accounting and pensions. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot more structure in those places. And procurement you don't have a lot of structure. Yeah. So it's taking that as an opportunity and using that to develop yourself. And it offers a lot of creativity within a business, so, so it's taking that opportunity to, it, yeah, it's a bit rambling, but it, it, it's kind of, that's it's so, a very open space. So you take yeah. advantage of the openness.
0: Would you say that it's something that you've got a passion for and, and that's what's kind of driven you?
1: I, I don't know, um, if I'm honest. I think I enjoy it. Yeah. Um, it frustrates me at times because whilst you're across everything, you're never fully in control of everything. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I um, I understand that. You get a range of stakeholders, and depending on your stakeholders, you know that that can drive you up and down. Yeah, um, I enjoy the commerciality of it, and I think I've got a passion for the commerciality of it and you know, right. doing deals, negotiating, building a procurement process, which especially in the public space, because you can't really. You don't properly negotiate in the public space. Everything yeah. is very controlled, and rightly so, because you you know you're responsible for taxpayers' money. Of course, yeah. But you've got what you can do is build a process which drives commerciality and drives, you know, good outcomes, but or commercial outcomes. Yeah. And it's the creativity in process design. Which you can do within public procurement rules. I don't. Mm. I don't buy the argument that they're restrictive. Right. You've just got to think about your process. You've got to think about your outcomes. Yeah. And design a process within those rules which drives to that outcome. Yeah. Work out what is you know motivating. I think the other thing I really like about procurement and commercial management is you get to move people around. You you, know, you yeah. spend. A, it's very human focused. Mm. And you really understand what motivates people. You understand what motivates business. What drives them. But also with your internal stakeholders, you know, you, a lot of it is if you have any interest in psychology or kind of uh, political theory, it's a great place to to kind of learn and be exposed to a broad range of right different people yeah. and see what's motivates them. See how and you know part of our job is to motivate you know our supply chain to give us something for which works for them and works for us. But you know. Yeah. Their, their preferred position is not our preferred position. No,
0: that negotiation, that meeting yeah. in the middle. Yeah. So
1: so you've got to work out how you motivate someone to give you something which isn't their preferred position. Yeah. And, and that, that I find super interesting. Um, and when I'm challenged in those spaces, you know, in those new stakeholders, those new geographies or whatever, that, that I'm definitely interested in. Um, yeah. I'm still not convinced it's a career my career anyway. Yeah. But uh, you know, it clearly is now. Um have been in it you've been in it a while. So I, yeah. yeah, it's it's over 10 years now, so yeah. it's yeah, it, it clearly is a career, but it it's kind of in my back of my mind I'm still kind of politics student at university type of things. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You 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 kind of or you fall into it and never admit it. Um but yeah.
0: it's... No, I get that. I mean, I'm still in the Royal Navy 25 years ago, so yeah. I, you know it's one of those things, isn't it? Yeah. You know, oh, that's that, that's really really interesting. Okay, so so w- w- where, what do you think the future landscape of procurement looks like? Do you think there's going to be changes because of things like AI or technology, or how do you think things like that will impact the future?
1: I think that's still an important human element. I, th- I think you've got to see technology as an enabler. Yep, um, and, and I think it's. For for my side of procurement, which isn't particularly transactional, when we're, we're not buying widgets, uh, yeah. you know, we're very much buying kind of people. Often, um, the, the human interface is still important. Mm. Uh, I think it helps in terms of things like research and kind of expediting that. I think it helps in terms of process efficiency. Yeah, and I think that's important. Agreed. Um, it helps you manage your data and drives your decision making. You, know, you can use it to inform strategy a lot better. Yeah. You know, having having a good, you know, I, I think it's I think it's positive in that respect. And I think you've got to see it's it's not going to go away. It's not going to disappear. Normal. So you've got to see it as enabling you to do something you want to do. Make it your life easier. Make your life more interesting. Yeah. And refocus procurement and kind of how you view yourself in that role. In that, and, you know, so I think hopefully if, if you buy into procurement and, and kind of a career, it should make your life easier, you know, it should take away your transactional elements. It should take away yeah. the boring side of your job.
0: Yeah, uh, I but it's very, it's very difficult for a machine to negotiate, for example, yeah. you know, because, you know, whenever you're talking about a decision that involves, you know, finances or there's an emotive element to it or, you know, you want to work with a certain individual. You know, that that tends to be one person and another person as opposed to that.
1: Yeah, that, that, that. and I think it goes more, I think procurement needs to refocus itself more. And I think, you know, there's, it does to a point, you know, it's more that come broader commercial management. Yeah. And I think that's really where the role for procurement people is, it is kind of, you know, it's that value added. It's the fact that you understand the origin of the contract and therefore can manage it and kind of, you know, what you did well there also works over there. So they're not really two distinct roles. You've got to kind of have that buyer, contract manager. I think that's a more rewarding role, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that's where people need to see themselves to allow them to be a bit more adaptable for when technology does come in and kind of take away some of those bits where, you know. yeah so you've got to see it as kind of enabling and kind of giving you the chance to do something in a more creative way yeah in a more productive way and hopefully give you more enjoyment within the job I don't okay know, that's probably how I'd view it but no yeah.
0: I think I, I think that's a very interesting insight I, I think that makes sense to be fair so so how 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 do you um keep informed about developments within procurement and news, new ways of working and the things that you do or things
1: that you look at? um i think mostly it, it's through your network and I, I think that's that's another going back to your earlier question about kind of advice for young procurement professionals yeah there aren't that many of us you know a lot of every company buys stuff but there, yep. there's actually not that many procurement professionals out there no. It's it's a very small pool of people right and it's an even smaller pool of people who do it very well yeah so building a network is super important and, and that's how you learn but it's also how you problem solve you know <laughs> Most come. Most times you're buying something, it's very rare that you're buying. You're the first one buying it for the first time. Yeah. So th- 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 there's a wealth of experience out there. So f- finding that network, building that network, finding how other people solve problems is really important. Yeah. Um. And that's probably the way I keep track of it the most these days. Um. It, you know, I've, I've got a good peer network within the public. Sp- in the public sector, it's a lot easier in the private sector because yeah, you don't have that commercial. Yeah element about it in the, in the, in the same way. So it, it's easier to kind of share workings yeah, and stuff. You're not all
0: competing against yeah. one another. Yeah so,
1: yeah, so, yeah. so, you know, kind of the ability to kind of share information and bounce ideas off each other is a lot easier in that space. Right. But it's it's not impossible within the privacy, you know, and, and there's lots of good forums in which you kind of can do that and kind of, you know, close the door, have, have a good kind of practical conversation yeah. around kind of, you know, your challenges. Um, Finding yeah, research LinkedIn's more useful um, than I would like to admit. I think yeah, because it, it is how I keep track of developments. It is. I, I do useful. the same thing. Sam. Yeah,
0: I do. It, I mean, everything seems to be on there. Everybody, in terms of my peers, are on mm-hmm. there. You know, I, I mean, I think I find LinkedIn a very useful tool.
1: Yeah and and it, but it, and I do spend a lot of my time in the morning commutes kind of scrolling through kind of
0: yeah
1: uh posts on there um so well I
0: hope you're listening to the where many house podcast when you're of on course, your way to work. Thank yeah.
1: you. Uh podcasts are very much a part of my morning <laughs> commute. Um <laughs> yeah. and and beyond that yeah it, it's professional forums I used to be very good at kind of keeping abreast of kind of things like sips and world commerce and contracting right um but, but you've got to kind of Remember your discipline. I tell my team to do it, you know, make sure they're doing their kind of exams and kind of doing their research, you know, doing their continuing professional development. But it's kind of, yeah, I'm I'm not as good at it as doing it myself these days. But, yeah, I think that's still quite important too. Oh, brilliant. Okay.
0: Well, look, you know, um, look, we haven't stuck to the questions. I never kind of do that, to be fair, Sam. I do apologise. But you've had some very interesting things to say. So, you know, what would you say that your greatest achievements in your career in procurement have been?
1: um I think when I used to work in local authorities working with some of the social care teams in very difficult environments uh because you know their budgets were being slashed at the time yeah I'm proudest of some of those contracts even though it, just because of what they're enabling the people who were doing them the people I got to work alongside in social care yeah really were doing it for all the right reasons they weren't motivated for money in one iota, you know, yeah. some very capable, very smart people who were doing it purely because they wanted, they they believed in the service they were delivering. Yeah. Um. So I'm probably proud of some achievements there, and kind of helping them and facilitating some of the challenges they were dealing through kind of the worst elements of austerity. Yeah. K- kind of a decade ago. So you kind of like that that altruistic element. Yeah. You know, that... it, well, it's, I don't. It, I don't think it's altruistic. It, it, it's more. It's 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 the way things should be, you know. It's providing a service. I completely agree. Yeah, uh, w- w- which is a true public service, yeah. a- and it, it, it's doing it in a way which is still professional. And I think I think we were talking earlier. They they are some of the most commercial and professional people I've worked with. Yeah. Um. Yet paid the least of all the people I've yeah. worked with. Yeah. 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 Um. You know, and I enjoyed that so much at the time. It, you know, it was very much a spirit of collaboration and camaraderie, you know, n- n- and I was very junior back then, you know, yeah. um, but you were very much part of a broad team. You were, you were kind of there with your commissioning managers, with your commercial contract managers, with your social care managers, and you're yeah. all working to the same goals in the same environment. Um, and, and that was very rewarding. And, and I'm really proud of the work there. Um, on a more selfish space i think building the team in bii and where we are today i'm very proud of too because you know it was a blank canvas yeah and i think we've got it in a very challenging space because we are in that kind of public private space yeah to work in a very efficient way i've got some immensely capable people yeah in the team and i'm very proud of what they're achieving the commerciality they're driving, the outcomes they're driving. Yeah. Um, and I enjoy my job a lot more seeing what they get to do now. Right. You know, less about what I'm doing, but more kind of them challenging me, them being incredibly creative in their delivery. Yeah. Um, you know, sitting in meetings and they're being more professional than I'm being in the meeting. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that I, get, um, I feel very proud about kind of their work at the moment. Right, okay. Well, that's absolutely fantastic. Great to hear. Thanks, Sam.
0: Okay, so... Look, you know. Conversely, um, any regrets?
1: Um, I think it it took me a long time to find, kind of, work out what my career was and kind of buy into procurement as being. You know, as I said earlier, I still don't hundred percent convinced that this is my career. Yeah, I am not a procurement guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I, I think there's been times where. You know, and I think going back to your earlier question about kind of advice for people entering the profession. Yeah, you can you can be your own worst enemy at times. You can limit yourself, Um and you don't necessarily value the experiences you're going through because you're focused on what's coming next. I think. Yeah, and it's it's those points in my career where I've been kind of overly angsty, like yeah. o- overly teenage. Um yeah. I, I think there some of the bits is kind of. You know, I, I, I've, you know, some of the moves you make at times, kind of, some of the decisions you, you choose not to make, mm. are driven not by the challenge or opportunity, but more kind of your own angst.
0: Yeah, fear, fear yeah. sometimes. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah so so I, I think it's those aspects. Um, but I'm in mean, you know, a fairly happy place with it at the moment. Yeah. I like the company I work for. Yeah, I think we're doing a good job. My life is relatively interesting
0: yeah Um, we're gonna get we're gonna get onto your life next sam so (laughs)
1: Um, but yeah so so i I think not too many regrets but it's those times it's kind of where i've kind of lost focus around my decision making yeah and you're making decisions for the wrong reasons i think that's probably what regrets i do have
0: i think that's a fair comment really fair comment thank you for being so honest so you and uh, we've we've learned everything you do from a work perspective. So tell us tell us a little bit about what you like to do outside of work. Who you know who is Sam Pickford?
1: Um, it's it's very similar to to work me in some aspects. Right. Um, I like the international side of things. I really like traveling. Yeah. Um I've been fortunate enough to take a career break of six months in between contracts before and spend time traveling uh, from Mongolia all the way through down to I think we ended in Sri Lanka. I love it. Um, you know you know, so long holiday really. Yeah, it, yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I enjoy, the, you know, learning about the world, you know, learning about different cultures, putting myself in places which do challenge me. Um, and beyond that, it's kind of football. I like football. Um, Who do you follow? United, Manu. Oh, good man.
0: High five. You can come back Sam. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the transfers so far? <laughs>
1: I'm okay this season, I think. Yeah. I think... We we seem to have kind of started and and finished in the same place in terms of what we were looking at, which is yeah, I think so. You know, w- what was been touted as opportunity, it seems to have been taken, which is good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's additions which are useful. Um, I don't know. Um, yeah, I still think we're a couple of people off.
0: Yeah, all the West Ham, Arsenal and Chelsea fans have switched off now.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it, 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 football, yeah, it, it's one of my main interests outside of work, I guess.
0: Yeah, my, mine as well. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge football fan, so um, yeah, great to meet another, another fellow yeah. footballer. Listen, all right, Sam. Well, listen, thank you very much. Um, that brings us to the end of the Wear Many Hats podcast. Um, it's been absolutely interesting learning about your role, um, how you came into the role, and also the advice that you've given to people um, that want to move into uh, the professional procurement sector. Thank you very much for your time. It's been well, lovely
1: you. having you. Lovely to meet you too. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Cheers.